<laughs> Where is this? Who? Not home. No! It, 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 it has to be! This was our last shot! There's nothing for us out here. Wherever this is. This was all we had! We've got nowhere else to go! I know that! But as long as we're here, as long as we've got the Zeal Archives, and the experiment, there's still a chance that we can do something. I know it isn't much, but if we wallow here, then that's it. It's over. We need to have something. We need to keep trying. We've got to keep hope alive somehow. Okay. Okay. I'll try. Okay. <laughs> you damn well better try. I'm counting on you too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's try to get out of this rain. The last thing we need is a cold. There might be some shelter nearby. Oh, over there! I wonder what this place is. Or was? It looks like the inside of a battleship. I feel like I'm getting tetanus just looking at this place. Don't get too far ahead. It's getting really dark. I think it's okay. I I can just barely see. Oh! Are you okay? What happened? Oh, that hurt. I guess I could just barely see. Maybe we should get some light in here. Oh. Oh, there we go. That That's a bit easier. Thanks, G. That, that wasn't me. Oh, uh, well, um, what, what was it? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being we're trapped at the end of time, and 0 being everything is fine... Yeah, I'd peg this at an 11. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zeal Archives, covering the A to Z of the world of Chrono Trigger. Today, as we dig into the archives, we'll be talking about a small place with big implications. We're talking about Hecarin Cave. Let's start by talking about Hecarin's Cave in the context of the game. G, do you remember when you got to Hecarin's Cave the first time through your play of Chrono Trigger? I might, it might have been a while. Again, legendarily, my first playthrough was a New Game Plus. So, so I'm like, ah, nothing changed. <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> I, can still, I can still just use Lightning 2 to kill everything in here. So I was just going to say, but its significance became clear on my first New Game Not Plus, um, when you can finally use those, those single, single target magics that you've been bestowed. It's funny because at the beginning of the game, you're like, ah, oh, finally, single target magic. And then later you get multi-attack and it's great. And then at another point it, it like switches back and you, you're like, I don't, I don't want this anymore. All I'm fighting is huge bosses. So I just need, just need a stronger single hit. For the most point when you're playing through the game, at, at this point in the game, the game isn't particularly strict about like the rules. Like you don't have to check certain boxes to proceed. You can just kind of wander along because the game... It's kind of just like a garden path. Yeah, at no point, regardless of what you do, you're not going to get, like, 
murdered by enemies if you don't um, level up or get certain items or equipment or whatever. It's uh, it's it's kind of gonna let you like explore at your own pace. But this is like, hey, we've introduced a, a new thing now, so you should probably pay attention to how to use it. Yeah. At this point, you don't have any other choices. You come through the wardrobe in Medina, unless you end up backtracking, uh, having forgotten where to go next. And you can go to like the pyramid, which means absolutely nothing to you at this point. Mm-hmm. You can go to Medina and get a bit of backstory. Uh, and you can go to Hecarim's Cave, and the game beats it over your head that you better be using magic or else you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. I just want to kind of say Medina is beautiful, by the way. <laughs> it's on an island. It's down. It's got a forest on one side and a mountain on the other side. Well, two, like, I think it's got two sets of mountains, one behind the pyramid and the oh, other yeah. one, which Hecron's cave is. You at. can't go there. So I forgot about, I forgot about that one, but uh, yeah. Number one tourist destination for sure. <laughs> can also visit the glowing statue of magus or ozzy or whatever it is hopefully you're not human yeah hopefully not uh that's that's a detail we can talk about in another episode <laughs> um when you get into the cave all of the enemies have like ridiculously high physical defense which is your first hint that you need to be using magic the other hint being hey you just talked to specchio who taught you this really cool thing magic have you heard about it and the thing is if it was like one of the enemies in there like it, like it came, like it was the enemy that that consistently came up, but it was just one of them. You could just muscle your way through it. This is like the first instance where the game is teaching you something that, like, you have learned plot magic. You've it, it has a star beside it, which is which bestows upon it some especially big importance. And you haven't gotten any characters in your party yet that it solely rely on physical attacks. Even Robo is doing some kind of magic with shadow damage. Does Specky actually do something to Robo? Or is he just like, what you do is basically shadow magic, so that's fine. I think it's just that. I don't think he, he bestows upon him any particular magic. No. He explicitly says that he does not have magical power because he doesn't have, I don't know, a heart? Heart or a soul or something like that. To, uh, I remember ma- mainly using Antipode to blast my way through that cave. Which is a good choice because, like, as, as established, needing to use that magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, Marl, unless you're injured, Marl is mostly a healer so getting that extra damage out really helps yeah and also if you're if you're in need of uh magic type specific damage and put to shadow damage that's true probably because the combination of any two elements is shadow shadow for some reason <laughs> if you're entering hecron's cave it's kind of a weird experience like hecron's cave is very small i think it encompasses like three screens tops and it's not particularly maze like it's not particularly difficult the only thing that makes it difficult is this this requiring to use magic and some of the enemies spawn kind of at random like we we've talked about a lot of chrono trigger isn't random it's it's deterministic you can see enemies on the screen and for the most part avoid them but in this area you're looking at like a everything's kind of bluish gray yeah and in addition to that you like walk into some areas and enemies just like drill out of the ground yeah there's that there's like i think there's like a vase which I think is called like a gin or something. And when you fight it, that spits out those octopus guys. Like when you when you bump into it. Yeah, that's that's just not fair. Yeah, this really feels like the game strong arming you to being like you are going to learn how to use this magic and you're going to like it because there's a relevant boss that also used, requires you to have this knowledge. And and like to drive the point home even further, this is I think one of the first instances. It's not the first. 
uh, because if you've been exploring, you'll have you'll have found these as well. It's one of the first cases where you end up finding a sealed chest, which isn't explicitly tied to magic, but it is explicitly tied to like this is a thing that will be unlocked by the plot. The cave metafunction is like the world is bigger than you thought. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because it's like there's magic. There's a sealed chest. There's this other. I don't know. There's the the monsters like the this other race basically that exists and hates humans. You probably didn't know about that. Uh, before you, you know, ventured into, into the millennial fair. So like, it's just kind of like, even, even in the present, even in your time, there's more, there's more to the world than you thought there was. Yes. Even though there's less to this area than you think there is. You, I th- yeah. I, th- I think you're right. I think you go back <laughs> on each screen at least once. Like you cross each screen twice. Yes. Cause what happens is you enter the area. There's one of the, uh, I think they're called roly polies or they're, they're like little armored, people and they they tell you like this is hecarin cave as if you didn't already know and then yeah you go into the one screen there's the things that look like weevils you go down into one area if you choose because there's only really two paths you can take there's the one that takes you to the boss hecarin which we'll talk about in a second and then there's the other path that leads you to a room that has a sealed chest or uh, i might have the ordering mixed up and it's like yeah you can't unlock the sealed chest yet it has a speed ring a barrier ring the one chest you can get is the magic scarf but yeah you end up going into that room going underneath the area which which is neat because at the time like the super nintendo had those different sprite layers so you could have the masking of the character going underneath things Mm -hmm. but it wasn't always apparent that that was going to happen in the game you cross over that same area and then you go through the doorway that takes you to the vortex but there's someone in the way oh my god it's (laughs) hecron the neck the namesake the, the titular the the eponymous cavester Yes, you encounter this eponymous creature, Hecron. We're not really sure what it is, but like many other points in the game, like many other lessons in the cave and in the game, you're about to learn a really annoying lesson. And I think this is something that we encounter every time we do the race against time. It's one of these times where it's time to learn a lesson, but you can't remember if the lesson is one way or the other. In our case, the question is, do you use magic or do you not? As we've been talking about, the answer is use magic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was going to say he follows the pattern of everybody else in the cave, and that uh, and that magic will magic will do a good deal more damage than physical attacks. Yes, and more to that, there's even a point where Hecron will tell you to go ahead try and attack, as though you're foolish enough to follow those instructions. And please don't, because if you do, you're going to get hit with water too, and you will get wrecked. <laughs> as, as soon as a boss says, "Please, I would like for you to attack me at this time," <laughs> that is your cue to not do that. Basically, you get like uh, you get like a free heal round because he doesn't do anything while he's waiting for you to attack. Yeah, eventually the game says brief counterattack break, and it's like, all right, back to work, everybody. I wonder why it says that. Because then I th- <laughs> because we learned a similar a similar lesson with the Welk at the very beginning of FF six. Sorry, my brain is like trying to go back to that moment in time. Oh, it's like it's like when you're in the Magitek armor and uh, you're fighting the snail, and like the, the snail retreats into its shell, and it's like, wait, don't attack it. <laughs> it will counterattack, but it cannot do that powerful attack as regular attack for some reason. Fighting Hecron also drives home. I don't think you can get f- you can have Frog with you at this point. How non-damaging Water One looks. I'm thinking of Crimson Rain. What does Water One look? <laughs> Just a bubble. Oh, the bubble. Yeah. Yeah, Ice One looks damaging because they you drop a big hunk of ice, but Bubble does not. <laughs> no, no, nah, no. Nah. 
is also interesting because there are other bosses that have this counterattack pattern mm-hmm. where they'll give you a hint that you shouldn't attack. Like Nisbil will do his like charge up thing. Yes. But I believe those bosses don't explicitly tell you when they're done. Their, their sprite animation changes, unlike the Welk in Final Fantasy VI, mm-hmm. to give you an indication that it's like, okay, they're done doing what they're doing. But this is one of the few occasions where the game just spells it out completely. Game's like, look, you you shouldn't die here. You gotta you gotta get back to um, Guardia <laughs> or Truce rather, and just just come on. If this game was written today, and instead of saying go ahead try and attack, if Hecarim said please hurt me, Daddy, do you think that would change people's pattern of gameplay? <sighs> I think it would be. Div- I think. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I think people would do both. I think different people would do different <laughs> things, but I think it would be a more divisive yeah. issue depending on what his reaction is. All right. Well, let me just fire up my next fan translation and uh, <laughs> we'll bring that in. When I was doing the research for this episode, I found some interesting things that kind of add on to the point that you made earlier, that this is kind of like a meta point in the story, that it it's the game teaching you about other aspects of the world. And one of the things that I found in the research is that apparently Hecarim has been protecting the spot where Lavos sleeps under orders from Magus for 400 years. Hecarim's been alive for 400 years? Yeah, so that's that's like mind blow number one. Yeah. Hecarim has been around for that long. The other one being, please guard the spot where Lavos sleeps. And I think this is affirmed as you go into the future, like later when you get the epoch mm-hmm. and it becomes the wings of time, you can go to that spot, Hecarim's cave, and if you travel to 2300 AD, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that's where Death Peak is, but obviously in the same location is the Black Omen. Oh, yeah. Which sits right on top of where Lavos is. Okay, so no joke. Is Death Peak meant to have been created by Lavos emerging from the ground? In research that I was doing for a potential other episode, one of the fan theories is that Death Peak is Lavos's shell kind of poking out of the crust of the earth or like exhuming the earth above Lavos. Okay. So that Lavos can get closer to the surface to send his spawn, its spawn to other planets, uh, but not confirmed, obviously. Interesting. Interesting. Cause I'm like, Oh, cause it just occurred to me, like, cause he pops out of the ground. I'm like, there should be some sort of something like a fissure hole in the future where he was. But if it's on where death peak is, then may have maybe related to that yeah and also 300 years isn't a long time for continental drift or anything like that to happen no (laughs) wait a minute the size of lavos is very confusing it's very inconsistent (laughs) because lavos when you fight him he's like the size of a house would you say perspective is hard but yeah it looks like the part that is exposed is that big yep and Ari continues to grow you know uh, after after he wins 1999. Without turning this too much into a Lavos episode, like if Lavos is a parasite and the parasite could grow as large as the host can support, perhaps. Dang. Something to think about. You can put it up there with Hecarin is 400 years old. <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, the part, the part that truly flabbergasts me is not Hecarin. Beyond Hecarin. Into this vortex that spits you out in front of Lucas' house consistently it's funny because i know that the vortex exists every time we play the game and i can never find it when i get to the other side (laughs) i have since after doing research for this podcast and also for 
the race against time. I have since learned that there's like a tree that you stand beside and it will say vortex, vortex point. point. Yeah. yeah. But every other time I'm like, I wander over to the side and wonder why I can't hop into the vortex. What's the story of the vortex, man? That's that can't just naturally occur. Well, speaking of which, I think this is a great time to bring this up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The vortex, you know, it's it's definitely an example of plot convenience. As in, we need the characters to get to the other side and there's no boat. The boat can take you from from poor to Gardia or or uh, whichever. It can take you to be- between those two towns and later it can take you to the other island across the sea, but it can't take you to Medina. So it's it's merely the vortex is merely there for plot convenience. But this is a great example in the game of where you have this dichotomy between and and it becomes better as the game goes on, but where you have railroading mm-hmm. versus breadcrumbing. And this gets talked about a lot in like tabletop games, but it also obviously applies to say um to like console games and to open world games. Yeah, because you've just you've you've kind of done a loop once you get back there. Because you're back home in your time. So it like everything's like reset. So it doesn't and and Hecron doesn't say, oh, you know, you should go over here. And you, well, is the next thing am I right in the next thing to do is you go back to six hundred? Yes, the next thing you have to do is to go back to six hundred AD because when we were talking about Hecron Cave being like this meta point in the game, one thing I also was asking when doing the research was, what is the point of Hecron? He serves no purpose in the game. It almost seems to be for exposition. And specifically, the, the reason that I know it's for 600 AD is because I have this quote right here that Hecron says, when he dies, which is, if only the great Magus, which may as well be in big, bold letters, <laughs> who brought forth Lavos 400 years ago, wink wink nudge nudge hint hint mm-hmm. had destroyed the human race the world would have belonged to us mystics which is a very strong hint that you should go fool around for like the next six hours or something yes i was like it's i was like it's not like he tells you where to go but he kind of does this this is the first not hecron specifically but medina village is the first mention of magus is it not there may have been a mention on like xenon bridge or potentially when you are in the cathedral but it's not it's not really a big moment. I think there's more of an emphasis on Ozzy or just in general, the mystics, but not Megas specifically, I don't think. Yeah. And then you see people worshiping a statue. Oh, no, he's in the cathedral. There's a statue of him in the cathedral. But that's optional. You don't have to necessarily, like, you may not encounter that on your playthrough. Like we do, because we know there's cool stuff in there that you should get early on in the game. It's like a defender or something. Okay. Yeah. But this is the first time the game's like, hey, do you know anything about. 400 years ago from from this year yeah or this big shiny spot on the map that's really telling you that maybe you should go check it out about a guy we just talked about <laughs> hmm yeah yeah chrono trigger great game uh definitely does a lot of railroading especially right up until the point that it's the black omen <laughs> and then you're on your own which is the most of the game yeah yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be this way and in terms of world building, like, okay, broadly, railroading is when a game, whether it's like a, a video game or a tabletop game, is when you're on a track. Like, the track might diverge one or two different ways, but you're always moving from point A to point B. Everything is mostly decided. You might get to make some small choices, but not really. Breadcrumbing is a different idea in more open world games and tabletop gaming, where 
whoever is is controlling the game like the the game developer or the game master or or whatever leaves little crumbs for like these are things that you could do or they they're not the destination necessarily but they're a destination later on in the game like way towards the end of the game when you when the black omen is raised up a good example of this is at the end of the time when you have gaspar and gaspar is like, hey, you should talk to the other people. And if you talk to the people, they give you ideas of things that you could do. And they, they do this a little bit with world building in the game. But uh, I was going to say, at this point in the game, you could like go do other stuff if you want. You can like kind of poke around people's houses. You can go buy new equipment if you want to do that. But like if you want to move the plot, you got to uh, head to 600. Versus when you leave the castle and you're going to the future, the the game literally blocks you from going anywhere else yeah because i mean you still have the option to um has the portal to 65 million bc opened at this point is that one always there i think once you get to the end of time you can travel to 65 million bc yes but you won't yeah trigger anything no so in that's in that sense it's not terrible you have the option to go explore things it just doesn't advance the plot like you were saying yeah sorry that's a good counter example the game does leave breadcrumbs when you go to the end of time before you've reached Medina village. It's like, Hey, here's another time period. I wonder if you're going to end up there at some point. <laughs> He's like, Hey, check out those portals are pretty cool. Right. Or it's like, Hey, there's a staircase in the middle of this place. It doesn't lead anywhere yet, but it might later or the ultimate example. Here's a bucket. Definitely don't go there. <laughs> it's there, but you shouldn't go there. We're not getting rid of it, but just don't use it without changing the game too drastically. What do you think could have been done to kind of reduce the the railroading? Because as established, it's it's pretty heavy, especially for like the first couple hours of the game. Um, I'm trying to think of a way to do that without making the game significantly more complex, because it would be more you know, but more like butterfly effect kind of stuff, more more cause and effect. Like like if you if you could if it was more open in terms of the cause and effect you could make, you could spend a ton of time just playing around going to different time periods and messing with stuff. Oh, and then seeing how it impacts the future. Yeah. I mean, you can meet the mayor who charges you like all that money for, Oh, you can't even do that yet. Cause you gotta get the moonstone going. I don't know. You can, <laughs> you can act like a chicken for the mayor. You can do that. It's, di- it's difficult um, to have things open because you also have multiple times to consider. Um, so if you're not keeping people on our track of the game, the game becomes much, much more complex. Yeah, and I mean, as as we talked about in a different episode, the game, like, setting aside the actual difficulty of programming it, yeah. which is hard. I don't know how to make an S in this game. Um, they, they had a hard time with time periods as is, but I'm like, in an ideal world, like, are there tweaks that could have happened to, to make the railroading less apparent? Because, like, there's about four spots in the game that I can think of. And you're like, what do I do next? And that's entirely dependent on like, you're on a railroad track, but we haven't left enough hints to get you to the next station. My theory on that is we've played it too many times. I think we are not paying attention to dialogue. That is 100%. (laughs) Because this, because I was like, it's not like Hecaron tells you where to go. But then I look back on the thing he says every day. I'm like, he definitely does. (laughs) So you know what else they could have done? Um differently they could have added a time period that is not consequential to the plot oh i don't know how but uh just somewhere else you could go and like poke around you know okay you know what 
There's a game called Time Spinner, which is about time travel, unsurprisingly. I mean, it's only a little bit about time travel, but one of the things that it does is there's the present that you are from and the past. And the game starts off with this cutscene. You end up thrown from one planet to another in the present, but the, you start off pretty much at a library. Okay. And it, go, it it evolves from there. But in the library, you can find books and the books tell you things that happened in the past. And as you progress through the game, you can go to different parts of the library and it gives you additional details about things that happened in the past. Oh, neat. So in that sense, I guess it would be neat if there was like a 1900 AD where that it wasn't super futuristic, but you like could read about the things that had been happening. That would be neat. That that might be a thing that they could have done. Yeah, just just more more to like explore, basically, but not Chrono Cross level. <laughs> not quite that, where you explore and every time you do, you pick up a new character. Yeah, and learn so much lore that you didn't know before and weren't aren't sure if you want. Just don't pick up breadcrumbs when you try to cross railroad tracks. Oh, they could have added a train. There's no train anywhere in Chrono Trigger. Okay. No. <laughs> that would be a great time if you had any ideas. Ideas? Where the heck have ideas got us? I'm sick of ideas. Ugh. Gee, what the heck are you doing? The time for ideas is over. The time for action is now. Ah! Take that, you son of a bitch. You don't look so fancy now, do you? Ah! 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 How do you like that? Wait. Doesn't it look a little bit familiar? Sure does. Looks like all the other scrap metal in this place. Woo! No. I mean, the lights. This... Is this an arm? It looks really familiar. What the heck was that? It... It talked! Good morning. Where are my friends? I think that might have been... It definitely couldn't have been. But if it wasn't, then what could it have been? I don't know what it could have been, but it definitely wasn't. But it absolutely, absolutely had no to be Robo. I am, 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 Zeal Archives is a Nixcast production and can be found on most podcatchers or at the source zealarchives.com. If you have comments, criticisms, or kudos for episodes past, present, or future, we are on Twitter and Facebook as Zeal Archives. To learn more about the hosts, TNG, you can also check out thenextcast.com or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at the Nextcast. And now, a special announcement. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. 
We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.